our Bibles today, and um, well, let's start in Genesis 1-1 again. We'll kick it off there. we kind of kicking off a new lesson in our series on marriage made simple. And again, I, I know next Sunday we're going to be addressing and dealing with our tent meeting, and so we're going to take a break from this for a few weeks, but we'll get back to it when the time comes. But we're going to start this lesson, at least it's on consistency or being consistent. And when we start dealing with marriage, that's so awfully vital, so important. It's so important in every area of our life that we're consistent. So someone says, well, you're dealing with marriage, I'll just shut down because I'm not married or I used to be married and I'm no longer married. That's okay. Consistency is something that all of us as believers can benefit from. It's something that we must be as individuals even. And so we're going to go ahead and take just a few moments and consider that over the next few times that we gather in this particular study. Now, in Genesis 1-1, the Bible says, in the beginning God created now, again, we started with that because simply that marriage, of course, is an institution that God has established. And it's extremely important and very vital that we realize and recognize that God, being our creator, knows better than any of us what we need. And so when it comes to marriage, there's no doubt that God himself is best equipped to give us a game plan, a blueprint, if you will, concerning marriage and relationships in the world in which we live. And so in the beginning, God created and we know that God created us male and female, and he intends that we come together, that we procreate, that we produce, that ultimately we keep things moving in our world, in our country, so to speak. And by the way, those are all important aspects of God's uh, design of marriage. And so we come together, and God blesses us in this union, in this relationship. And boy, I'll tell you what, it is the greatest relationship on planet Earth if it is rooted and grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. It's wonderful. And so the devil's always trying to uh, thwart God's plan. He's always trying to imitate God's, uh, uh, you know, work and so forth. He's always there to mess it up and to just corrupt it all. But let me tell you something. If we'll keep our nose to the grindstone, so to speak, if we'll continue to focus on God, his word, and the scriptures, if we'll design or, should I say, outline our marriage based on his prescription, based on his um, uh, um, blueprint, then guess what? We're going to be all right, and we're going to experience some real joy, satisfaction, and it's going to be worth uh, holding on for the ride. Now, again, we could take the time to look over a number of things here, but um, I think it's important <clears throat> to recognize that... Um, I'm going to skip all this because I want to get to our lesson. Um, yeah, I got a lot of extra stuff in here. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you, I will talk about this later sometime. Okay, so anyway, I do. I got so much stuff. This is 12 pages, okay? I mean, you, you know, we'll be here for the next four months, you know? So anyway, let's go ahead and skip some of that stuff, all right? But anyway, we talked about being committed, how essential and how important commitment is. And then we said we need to be kind. And, of course, we used what I call my, my, my quickly becoming my most favorite verse in the Bible on marriage. Ephesians 4.32, and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I'm still convinced that's probably as good a verse in the Bible there is on marriage, practical living, that there is. But nonetheless, be kind, be committed. Then we said we need to be considerate, considerate. And then we talked about, over the last few weeks, being content. How important is contentment? And so we addressed that and dealt with that as well. 
And today, as I said, I want to begin talking to you a little bit about being consistent. Consistent in our marriages. Turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. So we're going to kind of kick things off here in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we're going to begin in verse 12. Again, I'm convinced that so many of the verses in the Bible that that um, that we use and we, we kind of put verses in boxes, okay? And we say that this verse applies to this and this verse applies to that. And, 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 and so we kind of limit the word of God in our life so many times. I'm convinced that so many passages in scripture that we may look at being, you know, beneficial in other areas could help us a lot in marriage. For instance, this one, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Again, he says, let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believer in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Now, I don't know about you, but honestly, if every husband was an example in those areas, marriages would be better. Uh, You'll get where I'm going with this. If, if even if, if, if wives were examples in the area of in the word of God and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and purity, guess what? Marriages would be better off. So many times we limit the word of God. But notice he goes on to talk about, he says here, till I come give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Verse 14, neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Continue in them. You know what that is? Consistency. The Christian life is a life, if it's going to be successful now, if you're going to have a successful Christian life, you're going to have to have a consistent life. That's a reality here. And again, it's a biblical fact. It's a biblical truth. Consistency is absolutely necessary if you're going to succeed in your Christian life. And if you want to succeed in your marriage, then you're going to have to have consistency as well. It's just imperative. Now again, Paul is admonishing Timothy to be consistent. This young preacher boy, he's taken over a church, he's involved in the ministry, and Paul is saying, listen, I have lived a lot of years, brother. I have gone through a number of things. I have seen, experienced, and done so much. But let me tell you something. If there's something that's going to cause you to continue to ultimately succeed in life and ministry, it is consistency. Continue in these things. Don't just start, but finish. Be consistent. And the Bible is filled with men and women who left a legacy of consistency for us to follow. I think about Noah. Well, I'll tell you what, let's have a quick word of prayer. Father, we come to you. We just ask, Lord, you'd bless this time together. May you be glorified in it. We love you. We need you. Lord, we are certainly desperate for your leadership and love. Thank you for all you do for us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for salvation. And Lord, we ask that you would once again bless us as we open up your word. Be glorified in it. In Christ's name, amen. Now, Noah, I think about Noah, and you know, he got up every single day for 120 years, and he went to work building an ark and warning the people of a coming flood. I mean, you talk about being consistent. This Noah was consistent. 
Can you imagine with me for just a moment how wicked and wretched the climate of that culture must have been seeing that God had repented himself that he had made it all. He was ready to give it all up. He wanted to throw it all away. He was finished with it. it. He was up to here with it. And it was just enough. It was over. And he was done. To think that God was willing and, and ultimately did destroy uh, that culture, that world that existed then, is an amazing thing. To think how wicked it must have been. And yet, in the midst of it all, Noah is being consistent. He is consistent. I mean, after all the years, he's still preaching the same message. He's serving the same God. He's maintaining the same beliefs. He's living the same life. He hadn't conformed to the world, but he instead remained completely distinct and separated. He was consistent in his separation and his standards. And that's something. Consistent in separation and standards. Also, I think about a fellow by the name of Micaiah. Turn if you would to 2 Chronicles chapter 18. 2 Chronicles chapter 18. Throughout the Bible, as I said already, we have a number of men and women who have left a legacy of consistency for us to follow. Ahab, king of Israel, had sought the help of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, in fighting the Syrians. After listening to about 400 of Ahab's prophets, Jehoshaphat, he finally asked, is there any other prophet that we can consider? Is there any other prophet that we can listen to? Does anybody else have any advice? I'm sure that after listening to the 400 prophets that all in agreement said, oh yeah, go forward, fight the Syrians, you'll be victorious. Jehoshaphat thought, you know what, this something don't seem right here. Is there anyone else we can listen to? Anybody else that we can seek their advice? Ahab admits that there is another one. Over in 2 Chronicles 18, 7. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's another one, but I hate him. Why? For he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same as Micaiah, the son of Imai, oh, Imla, and Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. Now again, Micaiah, Micaiah was so consistent that Ahab already knew what he was going to say before he ever even responded. He already knew. Man, if I tell that guy the sky is blue, he's going to tell me it's red. If I tell that guy that, uh, uh, that, that the, the, those seats are green, he's going to say that they're blue. I mean, it doesn't matter what I say, he's going to disagree with me. I hate that guy. No matter the cost, however, Micaiah spoke the truth. He always did. He always spoke the truth, no matter what. I mean, it didn't matter where, when, or what the circumstances was. His message was consistent. It was always rooted in truth. It was always what God told him to say. He wasn't going to bend. He wasn't going to compromise. He's just going to give it to him straight. Man, I tell you what, he was consistent in his message, this Micaiah. I think about David. Look at Psalm chapter 55, verse 17. Psalm chapter 55, verse 17. Now listen, one of the things we do sometimes when we deal with subjects, is, and, and I've been guilty of this often, is that we like to go and just say, okay, let's just give me the, you know, just, you know, there, there's something, I just want to feel good. 
I just want to feel good. So, so I tell you what, just tell me a few little, little snappy tips, some little things like that, you know, things that'll make me feel, you know, pretty good and give me a few ideas to take home and to try to implement and, and hopefully they work. Listen, I, I get that, but let me tell you, I am convinced today that most believers have no idea what the root biblical truths are that ground us. For instance, why should we be consistent? Maybe because there's been men and women throughout the word of God and examples God's given us that have been consistent and anyone that's ever been successful in their life has been consistent according to the word of God and we need to understand this truth. We need to get to the place where we realize we're not an anomaly. We don't stand alone. I can't just take a few little simple ideas and apply them to my life and everything's gonna be fine. You and I both have to apply the biblical principle, the truth of the word of God, or it's a waste of time. And when you get convinced in your own heart that God has the answer, that not some preacher does and not some psychologist or not some counselor, my friend, you will be much better off. And the biblical principles are found here, and we need this grounding. Noah separated, and and in his, I mean, he is consistent in separation and standards. Micaiah is, I mean, so consistent in his message. We see David that is going to be consistent in his schedule. He says in Psalm 55, 17, evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. He had a scheduled prayer time, and he disciplined himself to be there. Hey, where's David at? Oh, that's easy. He's in his chamber praying. You know, sometimes we get the idea that, well, you know, this, this consistency thing's important, but only in certain areas. Well, the Bible seems to be telling us right now that it's important in every area of our life. Whether it's in our separation standards, our message, or whether it's our schedule. Hey, how about Daniel then? Let's turn over to Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. You talk about Daniel, he is consistent and he is unwavering in his character, this man. Even his enemies knew that he was going to do right no matter what the cost. So they devised a plan that would use his consistent character against him. It's amazing, isn't it? This guy had so much character from the time he was young. You know, one of the, diff- one of the, the things that I find is that, and, and through the years, this has happened often, and my wife will talk, me and my wife will talk about things, and I'll say, you know, I'm a little, I'm a little disappointed in, in the performance over here on this particular individual. She'll say, but they are very young. They're very young. And I'll say, I used to say, yeah, but still, that's a character issue. She'd say, but they're very young. And you know what? She kind of got to me after a while. And I started thinking, well, maybe it's just they're young. You know what I found? You either have it or you don't. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to tell you right now. If you don't have any character right now, you won't have any tomorrow or next week until you'd make up your mind to have it. And the truth is, is that you don't have, there's not an age limit of when you become a man or woman of character. You better start having character from the time you're little. You better start following through with things and doing what you're told to do and being exceptional in those areas. Hey, listen, you may not be a tremendous student. You may not get all A's on your report card, but friend, you can have all A's in character. And consistency is a major part of that. Daniel was a young man when he was ripped and torn away from his family, when he was brought out of his, his nation and placed in Babylon. And yet he had character 
He wasn't old, but he had character. You say, but I don't have any experience. You don't need experience to have character. But when you have character, it'll be seen in your experience too. It'll affect how you respond to life. I'm just saying, make up your mind. You say, well, what is it? Go talk to somebody that's always in church, every single time, on time, where they're supposed to be, doing what they're supposed to do, and ask them, how do I become you? You say, ah, oh, that's, that's so unscriptural, preacher. That's so, you need to, they need to become like Jesus. Okay. Where's he at? You say, well, you making fun? No, I'm going to tell you right now. They don't see Jesus. You know who they see? You and me. If anyone's going to teach a young man or a young woman character, it's going to have to be somebody they can see. And then God's going to use you or use that person that has character to instill it in somebody else that doesn't. I don't want to get stuck on character because we're supposed to be talking about consistency. It's just too hard, though. This is really tough. But anyway, Daniel, I mean, you talk about character. Look at chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Then the presidents and and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could not find occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. That faithful sounds a lot like consistent to me. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that Whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Well, I wonder how Daniel's going to respond to that. Wonder how, what, what, he's, what is he going to do about it all? I think he's going to be consistent like always. In chapter 6, verse 10 now, just a few verses later, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He didn't do anything different than he had always done. He was a man of character. He was consistent in his character. And even when they devised a plan to take his life as a result of his faith in God and had to use his character against him, he said, nope, my character's still going to rule. I don't care about my life as much as I care about my character. I'm going to be consistent, and I'm going to serve my God anyway. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate that testimony. Then I think of one more. I think of Paul, the apostle. Turn over, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. So we see here we've got Noah. He is consistent in his separation and standards. Micaiah is consistent in his message. David is consistent in his schedule. Daniel's consistent in his character. And Paul is consistent in his faith. And you know, we could, we could probably apply every one of those to every one of those men. And there are a number of women in the Bible we could apply those, those, those uh, characteristics and qualities to as well. I get that. But I'm trying to break it down because here's the thing. You don't simply need to be consistent in the area that you want to be consistent. You need to be consistent in every area. The problem is today is that we pick and choose when we want to either obey God, when we disobey God, when we want to obey authority, when we don't want to obey authority, when we want to, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, be consistent, when we don't want to be consistent. We decide that we are the authority and we get to, to choose when we're going to be consistent. And I'm going to tell you, 
If you do that in your marriage, you're ultimately going to find it's going to create problems because your wife may think you ought to be consistent in that area and you're saying, I don't think it's a big deal. And, 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 and you may think that your wife ought to be consistent in that area and she thinks, well, that's no big deal. Or she'll say, you're not consistent in that area, so why should I be consistent in that area? I'm telling you that the Bible sets a foundation for us that consistency is important, not in one area, not in two or three, but in every area of our life. 2 Timothy 3.10, the Apostle Paul, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience. He goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, for I am now be ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know what that sounds like? He was consistent. He was consistent in his faith. So we got Noah Consistent in separation. Micaiah, consistent in his message. David, consistent in his schedule. Daniel, consistent in character. Paul, consistent in faith. The Bible's putting us, laying a foundation for us here. Helping us to understand how valuable, how important consistency is. Now, I've always been frustrated. And I have been even infuriated at times at the inconsistency of professional basketball players who struggle at the free throw line. Does that bother you if you watch basketball? I mean, here's a guy getting paid millions of dollars, and he's going, and the ball's going, boing, off the backboard. Paid millions of dollars. Now, listen, it's not even that bad. They're millions of dollars, yes, but they have some of the best trainers, the most advanced coaching, and, and they have all these opportunities to practice every day of their life to correct the inconsistencies. And yet, many fail to be consistent. That drives me crazy. Doesn't that bother you? No matter how many times they walk onto the court, practice their free throws, receive their instruction, it seems they just can't figure it out. Sadly, many believers struggle in this area of consistency as well, though. I mean, we have the indwelling presence of Christ, the Word of God, the best trainers and coaches available through the local church, and, yes, and yet many fail to be consistent in their Christian faith and their walk. More than we'd like to admit, let's be honest now, this failure of inconsistency plagues every area of our lives. Tonight, we're primarily focusing on consistency in marriage. I wonder how many husbands and wives have been frustrated or even infuriated by the inconsistencies of their spouses. If we could have a raise of hands today, and we're not going to, please. And I'd say, have you ever been or are you ever frustrated with the inconsistency of your spouse? I wonder how many hands would go up. Now, my wife, she's in the nursery today, but she wouldn't raise her hand. I, 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 I wouldn't raise mine either, only for fear of what would happen later. But anyway, <clears throat> but let's be honest. I mean, we, we probably, most could say, you know, there are areas that, that does frustrate me at times. Or are time, Now, hold on. Let me throw a few areas real quick at you. They change plans midstream. Change plans midstream. 
In 1 Corinthians 14, 40, the Bible says, let all things be done decently and in order. You know, they say that you could set your watch to Dr. Lee Robertson's schedule. The Highland Park, uh, Highland Park Baptist Church was uh, pastored by Dr. Lee Robertson for a number of years. They claim that, honestly, you could literally set your clock to him walking down the street for lunch. He'd be walking down at the exact same time, at the exact same place, boom, every single day during the week. Now, it's frustrating when plans are constantly being changed, isn't it? Spontaneity is a wonderful thing from time to time, but it is no way to live your life. Now, there are times when a schedule has to be interrupted for the greater good. I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm going to say this. I'm going to tell you there is no child in my home that's going to bed until after the tent meeting this next week. I'm just going to be honest. I could care less if they go to bed at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. They're going to preach it. We're going to church because there are some things worth upsetting the schedule over. There are some things worth being put out a little bit about. You say, I don't like what you're saying. I don't really care. I'm going to tell you something right now. We are throwing a generation away because we're telling them there are other things more important than God and his word. I'm telling you, you better be careful the decisions you make because it's setting a precedent. When they're teenagers and you tell them they have to be in church, they're going to go, well, we used to stay home. Just be careful. I'm telling you. Man, I'm telling you, I want my kids surrounded with preaching. I want them in God's house. I want to be consistent. Oh, by the way, I got a feeling. I just got this feeling that if we got company over, that may change too. You know, family from out of town. All of a sudden, the kids don't go to bed on time. Got family out of town. Hey, you know what? Sometimes you just got to roll with it. Sometimes it happens that way. Sometimes you got a sick family member. Just got to deal with it. I'm just saying, schedules get interrupted. Well, you know what? Me and the family, we usually sit down and eat dinner at this time, but my mother's sick right now, and life is all upside down, topsy-turvy. Hey, that's life. You got to roll with it. I'm just saying, there are some things, times that the schedule has to change for the greater good. However, that ought to be exceptions to the rule, not the norm. This idea that, I mean, we just simply just change plans midstream all the time, that gets kind of frustrating. That gets difficult. Schedules bring order, and order brings peace. Boy, homes need peace. Marriages need peace. And if a marriage hopes to thrive and survive, then there's going to need to be consistency. Flexibility is absolutely essential in life. We'll not debate that. All of us could admit that. We all agree, I think. But we should limit the need for it by doing our best to do all things decently and in order. You know, it's a wonderful thing to live by a schedule and to know what to expect and not to be blindsided all the time. For instance, he comes home and says, come on, we're going out. But I've already started dinner. And that's all right every once in a great while, but let that happen all the time. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to have somebody that's a little upset that they've been busting their tail to get everything done at home and still to get food on the table when you get there, and then you tell them all that's been wasted time. You do that enough, and pretty soon you come home and go, hey, where's the dinner, honey? And she says, what dinner? I thought you would be going out. You've been messing me up for the last three months straight. I just figured you was going to take care of it again. 
And then you're mad. Well, I don't understand that. That's stupid. I was trying to be nice to you. She's thinking, oh, really? Now, listen, I'm not trying to be. I'm just saying we need to be consistent. I want to stay home tonight. But I already told your parents that we were coming over. I'm just, hey, honey, I'm just going to meet the guys at the park and play some basketball. But you told the kids last night we were going out for ice cream. Inconsistency. Changing the plans. Just throwing it out the window. Be careful when you start doing that. When you become inconsistent in those areas, be careful. Now, again, there's nothing wrong with, uh, with spontaneity from time to time. There's nothing wrong with that. I get that. But if, that's the cons- if that is what you're consistent at, being spontaneous... That gets old pretty quick. Now, again, I'm not saying that you have to do what I'm saying. But you can continue in the mess that you find yourself in, too. Listen, I'm not an expert at everything, but I can tell you one thing. I know a little bit about consistency in my life. And when you're a busy person in this world, and we are all very busy, you better live by schedules to some degree. You throw a schedule out the window and you're just spontaneous, woo, just like butterflies. That doesn't last long. That's not fun after a while. It may be great when you're dating, but once you've got about three or four or five or six or ten kids, <clears throat> like some of you are working toward, <clears throat> that spontaneity thing don't get it too much. You don't just pack up six kids and run out the door. You say, that's boring. Well, call it what you want, but you're still married. <clears throat> you know, there are going to be times again that the most consistent person is going to have to change plans. That's just the way it is. <clears throat> but again, that ought to be the exception to the rule. Try to make sure your plans, when your plans change, here's a good rule. When your plans change or you're the one that changes the plan, Make sure as much as possible that it's you and not others that pay for it. You hear what I'm saying? If I'm going to make your life more difficult, then it it ought to make my life more. I'm going to to make the difference. I'm not going to make your life more miserable because I chose to change something. I'll make sure it falls on me. Now, what else? Frustration. They change plans midstream. How about they fail to perform their role or responsibility? Proverbs 13, 4 says, The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. You know, it's a wonderful thing to know that the house is going to be clean. It's wonderful. It's just great. You know, it's wonderful to know that dinner's going to be cooked. It's wonderful to know that I'm going to have clean socks and underwear. And they're both clean, by the way. Not just clean socks and underwear. I'm talking about clean socks and clean underwear. It's wonderful to know that the yard work is going to get done. It's, it's, It's a wonderful thing to know that needed repairs are going to be made. It's a wonderful thing to know that there's going to be money to pay the bills. That's wonderful. Consistency in these areas is so vital and so important. When you find a spouse or if there's a spouse that fails to perform their role or responsibility, their God-given roles, let me tell you something, it's frustrating and even infuriating. 
and it creates a great division and divide in the household. It creates a lot of issues. Then finally, under this particular area, they make promises that they don't keep. That's a frustrating thing, isn't it? When people make promises that they don't keep, a spouse doesn't keep their promise. Ecclesiastes 5.5 says, Better is it that thou shouldest not vow than that thou shouldest vow and not pay. I can't today, but tomorrow we'll go get ice cream. Okay, if you say that, keep your word. Your kids are listening. Your reputation's on the line. Your character is now being monitored. (laughs) Dinner's going to be cooked. Excuse me, wrong one. I'll get someone to watch the kids. I'll get some, I was looked at the wrong list, okay. Okay, that's, that's a good one too. Dinner's going to be cooked, praise the Lord. <clears throat> I'll get someone to watch the kids. You know, you're planning a night out and she, she or he says, I'll get someone to watch the kids. And then you go that night, oh honey, we, what time are we leaving? I didn't get anyone to watch the kids. Ooh, that, that don't, that's not good. Now, you said, I know what I said, but... That's where but does not matter. It just don't matter. Oh, you know what? We'll go over to your parents this weekend. And come weekend, you can't be found. Or you tie it all up. You got other things you're doing. Hey, whoa, 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 wait a second. You keep your word. This year, we're going on vacation. We're doing it. Before you said that, you should have thought it through. Then you get there and say, you know, we just don't have the money to go on vacation. Now, if there was a you know, tree fell in your house, the washer and dryer both went bad, you had to buy a new refrigerator, new shotgun or something, <laughs> I get it. But, but, I mean, come on. Usually, I mean, you just got to think it through, right? <laughs> shotgun. Oh, boy. That anyway, <clears throat> keeping promises. Hey, you know what? I'll fix the sink Saturday. Now, that may not be a big deal to you if you're not the one washing dishes, but I promise you, if you are the one washing dishes, it's a big deal. You know, I'll drop that bill off in the mail. Hey, we just got a notice. What do you mean we got a notice? We paid that last week. You took that, dropped that off at the mail. I didn't drop it off. I forgot. Keep your word. Keep your word. Now, again, all of us have, you know, mind lapses, and all of us make mistakes. I get all that, but that ought to be, the inconsistencies ought to be the exception to the rule, not the rule. We need to be consistent. We need to keep our promises. We need to perform our roles and responsibilities. We need to keep a schedule and try to operate with some plans and keep it rolling in the right direction. If your husband or wife cannot count on you, it's not going to be long before you lose their confidence and respect. It won't be long at all. So let me ask you, do you believe that you can be counted on? Now I'm asking you as an individual, do you believe you can be counted on? Now, here's the real million-dollar question then, at least for couples. 
Would your spouse view you as being dependable? You say, well, what's the difference? You're not answering it, that's why. See, we always inflate our, ourselves. We always feel that we're better at something than we really are. We always see ourselves through rose-colored glasses. I, you know what? I really do believe, and I know that it can start World War III. I get that. But I think these are the kind of conversations we need in our marriages. We need to sit down with our wife, not, not when the kids are screaming and not when we've just got done saying, I can't believe it, this house is a mess. I come home from work, and honey, by the way, you're not consistent. That's not the time to bring it up. You'll, you'll find that she's not cleaning the room anymore. She's throwing all the toys at you. But the fact is, is that we need to sit down and we need to discuss these things. Honey, I just have a question for you. The kids are all in bed now. It's quiet. And I, honestly, if you tell me what I don't want to hear, I'm not going to blow up on you. And she's thinking, yeah, right. I know how that goes. But those are the conversations we need. Honey, would you consider me consistent? And, and if you do, what areas do you feel I'm consistent? Are there areas I'm not consistent in your mind from how, how you see it? From your vantage point? Because honestly, when I look at myself, I feel like I do a good job of that, but... I'm looking from the inside out. You're looking from the outside in. I'm going to tell you what, until we're willing to really get honest and listen to the criticisms, potential criticisms of our, our mate, we, we probably are not going to grow. These are important questions. When someone is dependable, they will be where they are supposed to be, when they're supposed to be there. They'll be on time and ready to face the day with a can-do outlook. They will, they will keep their promises. They're going to fulfill their commitments. They're going to perform their responsibilities. That's someone that's dependable. So can your spouse count on you to get up and go to work? That's a good question. Can your spouse count on you to keep your word? Can your spouse count on you to pull your weight in the relationship? Can your spouse count on you to be there for them in every situation? Can your spouse count on you to spend wisely? You know, there's more to being consistent than just doing the right things too, by the way. We need to be consistent in our behavior for sure, but we also need to be consistent in our character and our integrity. It's an internal thing, not just an external thing. And by the way, it is so important, as we mentioned earlier, that we realize that it's, we, we do not have the right to choose when we will be consistent. You don't get to choose when you're going to be consistent. If you're consistent, you're just consistent. And again, our spouses, our children, our families need to know that we can be counted on, that they can count on us. Both parties need to be consistent, not just one or the other. I'm going to give you this, and then I'm going to stop. We're at page two. No, I'm teasing, but anyway. <laughs> We're a little further than that, quite a bit. Both parties must be consistent in a marriage. Ephesians 5.21, submit, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, it says. 
submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, this particular passage in regards to marriage is speaking to the, the fact that the need of both partners, or the, the, the purpose of both partners here then in submitting to one another is to meet the need of the other partner. That's the issue. Husbands are to minister to their wives. And that's what we're talking about, ministering, submitting to, and ministering to our spouse. Husbands are to minister to their wives. Wives are to minister to their husbands. Now, again, the submission that's spoken of here in this passage is is not referring to lines of authority in marriage or to the structure of leadership in the home. That's not what it's addressing in 521. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, we know it because just a few verses later, he makes it perfectly clear that the man is the head Uh, and the woman is to follow. We know this as we read down a little bit further. The lines of authority are clearly established. That's not even a debated issue. However, if a husband is going to minister, as it says here, submitting yourselves one to another, if he's going to minister to the wife and the wife intends to minister to her husband, then I can tell you right now, without a doubt, they both must be consistent in their dealings. Because you can never be successful in any ministry that you possess or have, whether it's in the church or in the home, without being consistent. I'll be there tomorrow, and you're not there. You cannot minister if you can't be consistent. Successful marriages require that both parties be consistent and dependable. And you know what? That's often a problem. Marriages suffer today because one or both parties are inconsistent in their character or their behavior. You say, that's my problem. My husband or wife is not consistent. So what do I do about it? Well, let me give you three things you can do about it. Here they are real fast. Then I'm going to tell you some things you don't want to do. Number one, be an example of consistency yourself. Yeah, but that ain't fixing him. I didn't say it would. You just asked me, what, will you, what do you need to do? Biblically, you need to be an example of consistency. Number two, express your concerns. I've done that a million times. Well, then you've done it. Three, continue to pray, believing God can. He can change things. Do we really believe this or don't we? Now, you say, well, that didn't help me a bit. I just told you I'd tell you what to do. I did, didn't I? I didn't say you'd like it. Hold on, what not to do? These these are really important now. Don't nag. Guy or gal, do not nag. That doesn't get you anywhere. By the way, don't name call. You're a, you're that, you're this, you're that. Doesn't work. That is not going to motivate them to be more consistent. Hey, don't compare. We kind of touched on this with contentment, but you know what? Many times, if we're, not, if we're honest, sometimes our expectations may be a little bit too high anyway. And as a result of that, we're comparing, you know, this one to this one, or we're seeing what, well, so-and-so told me her husband does this. You never do that for me. Well, he's, you're not married to him. You're married to your husband. By the way, you didn't say I do to him, and he didn't say I do to you. You said I do to yours, and you said I do to your wife. Don't compare. Hey, don't tell the world. My husband is so inconsistent. I tell him, and he never does this. That does, that's not a good idea either. By the way, don't give up. Don't just give up. 
I, uh, I, you know, listen, I, I have to deal with a lot of people in my ministry, and, and, and you probably deal with a number of people in your life. And there are situations where you are just brokenhearted for the people you have to deal with. The situations they find themselves in. The circumstances surrounding it. And in many cases, when it comes to marriage, it is gut-wrenching. But I do want you to remember this. And I do think it's an important fact. Before we start throwing our hands in the air, giving up and quitting, we need to remember who made the choice. I'm telling you, whether you want to admit that, biblically, we said, I do, you better not just throw in the towel because you're uncomfortable. Now, there are circumstances that are beyond comprehension. I mean, there are situations that I don't even want to address, and I'm not going to get into all of it, but let me tell you something. It's tough, but listen, everybody feels like they're the exception, and usually it doesn't take much for us to feel like the exception, but I'm telling you, be careful with that. You got an inconsistent husband or wife, you be an example of consistency to them. You set these up. You show them what it means to be consistent. Don't let them be able to turn the finger back and point it at you. Express your concerns, absolutely. Try, try, try the best you can to communicate. But in the end, you may just be left trusting, you know, have to trust God. I mean, go figure, right? You know how nonchalantly we say that now? Well, I'm stuck depending on God. Do you realize how ridiculous that sounds from a biblical perspective? Last time I checked, he's still on the throne. Last time I checked, he still owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I, I, think, I still think he created the universe. I think he can control mankind. I think he can actually work in a life. You say, yeah, but unless my husband lets him or my wife lets, her, lets him, then it's not going to happen. I know, but God has ways of bringing them to their knees. It may not be the way you want, but you just keep praying. You trust God. And then don't nag, don't name call, don't compare, don't tell the world, and don't give up. We're going to get into a few other things along the way here, talking about some things that not really that associated with, but kind of. I'm going to try to help some of the ones that are still not married yet or are still are looking to be married. And we're going to talk a little bit about suitability versus availability, about chemistry versus consistency, about some areas like that, like, you know, just a number of things, okay? And I, so we'll try to help you on that. But that's going to be a few weeks ago. We've got a couple of weeks now where we're going to be addressing, dealing with our tent meeting. But I wonder, are you consistent across the board? Teenager, are you consistent? You consistent in your emotions? You consistent in your feelings? Are you consistent in your outlook, your opinions? You consistent in your discipline? Adults, the same. We're all in the same boat husband, wife, are you consistent? Can you be counted on? No matter what, you can be counted on. You say, I can. I think it's important that you ask your spouse those questions, and it's important that you're willing to hear something you don't want to hear, maybe. 
If marriages are to be strong, there has to be honesty. And so we have to be willing to be honest. So we'll see what God does. I'll tell you, the greatest thing you can do for your marriage is get right with the Lord Jesus Christ. We got a great opportunity this week to do just that. I'm telling you, do not throw this next week and the week after away. Prepare yourself for next week. Take steps to do just that. And allow yourself to become the best you you can become. It'll help your marriage. It'll do more for your marriage than any self-help book you could ever read. Get it right with him. Father, we come to you. We need you, Lord. We love you. We just ask for your leadership today. Again, Lord, I... I just pray that you'd be glorified in our marriages here. Lord, we have some wonderful, wonderful people, wonderful couples, but Lord, we're just humans around here. I know in my own life, Lord, there are areas that I need to tidy up consistently and constantly. Lord, uh, if there's one area of consistency I need, it's the constant checks and balances in my own life. I need to be consistent at doing that. And I just pray, Lord, that you'd just be with each of us tonight now. Maybe in our marriages, we're not as consistent in certain areas that we addressed and touched on, and we need to be more. Father, may you show us the need in our life. May you help couples to be honest with each other and be able to talk about these things, to not just leave it at the church house, but to take it home and begin to discuss it between each other and ask the same questions and begin to really look into it and try to better their marriage, better their relationship, better their homes and their lives. Lord, we desperately need you now. We love you. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, every head bowed.